Before we begin, remember we are not medical professionals or lawyers or the like. We just like to tell people what they should do in their life. Also, we're drinking a lot. So take everything we say with a grain of salt and a lime wedge and a shot of tequila. Hey friends, this is Kim and this is my holiday roundup of some of my favorite questions from the last year. Also, sorry this audio sounds so terrible. I am recording from my parents' house, but hey, we got to do what we got to do. This is our second year doing this, of taking a little bit of a break here for the holidays and looking back over some of the questions we've answered over the past year or so and picking our favorites. And while I won't necessarily say that these are definitely my favorites, there are three that really have stuck out to me over the past year and I thought they were interesting and I enjoyed them, so I hope you do too. Thank you so much for listening over the past year and before that as well. And we're so excited about our next episode that we've pre-recorded for you. Like Jennifer mentioned, we were so drunk that I actually texted her and I was like, did we even answer those questions last night? I only remember looking up sign language for dirty words. So you've got that to look forward to in January. Thank you so much for listening. Have a happy holiday season, and we will be back soon. Okay. My wife has been in theater since she was in middle school. She loves it, and she's tremendous at it. We have been married for 13 years, and I have never had a problem with her doing any shows. But I've always had a hesitancy with her playing a role that involved any intimate situations. She's landed plenty of lead roles, but nothing too intimate until now. I asked her to be fully upfront with me about the scene and her thoughts and feelings about what was transpiring. She was very reluctant to share any information, and that caused a bit of a spiral for me. We had arguments and disagreements, which are the same thing. After her late (laughs) night, (laughs) after the kids went to bed, we'd yell at each other a lot. It was brutal for a little bit. In the beginning, she was insistent that it was strictly a stage scene and there was nothing else that I just didn't understand because I didn't grow up in theater and or around those kind of situations through all the levels she's been in. Uh, so she's been in it for a long time, which was a valid point to me. It was never normal or just something that happened. It was a bigger deal to me to see my wife with someone else. Eventually though, she admitted that it was fun, exciting and other adjectives that she was happy when she learned who her partner would be. And she looked forward to these evenings I won't lie and say these things were difficult to hear, uh, weren't difficult to hear. Logically, I can understand what she's saying. It's exciting, fun, etc., to experience those firsts or flirts firsts with someone, even if it is on stage. I asked her to explain in detail and act it out with me so I fully understood and could begin to work my way through this. We did so, and I honestly felt okay with it. But then I went to one of her shows this last weekend and it was nothing like we rehearsed. It was a kick in the gut. I went in anxiously away the scene as taken aback about how it wasn't anything she, like she told me. I explained to her how that it was a bit of an unpleasant experience because it wasn't what she told me it would be. She got defensive and said it was this and said it was the same and with some variations that it was pretty much what she told them, but just a little different, nothing big enough to bring up, 
We just had to disagree about that. Should I be worried? And if not, how do I get past this? Signed, Stage Kiss Fright. I just think he comes off as really fucking insecure in their relationship and he should go to therapy. And maybe <laughs> they should go to therapy them together. Cheers. Drink. Cheers. Cheers. Um, I mean, I just can't get... Okay, like, let's... yes, do I wish she hadn't been, like, it's not a big deal, or, like, it's completely different than what he was going to see? Obvi- like, she she could be very right, because how stupid would it be to be, like, the scene is like this, and then knowing he's going to come and see it, and knowing mm-hmm. that you lied? I bet you she's right, that yeah. really, it's not that different, mm-hmm. and he's so worked up about it, and so anxious, and feels like she's cheating on him for doing a role where she has to kiss or or act like she's in bed with somebody, I bet I bet you she's right that it's really not that big a difference because it's too. Why would you lie about this when you know that he's going to come and see the show and mm. know you were lying? Yeah, I, I was thinking like, what's the what's the most intimate scene on stage that you've ever seen? Personally, yeah. Well, like, what's the worst it ever got? Like. Most. I saw a show that my friend was in. The show was awful. Um, where he was supposed to be like in bed with somebody without his shirt on. And the scene opened with him getting out of bed. And his girlfriend was like, you can't do it without your shirt on. And so he wore wow. his shirt for the show. So wow. I think from this controlling nature background I have, that, that was it. But he did. I was like, I can't believe you. I would break up with somebody if they yeah. were like, you can't. I mean... As a director, I probably would be like, if you can't do it the way it's supposed to be done, then you can't do the role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the most intimate was a simulated sex scene in Spring Awakening. I've never seen Spring Awakening. Oh, it's good. You should see it. I've seen it a couple of times. It's a song about fuck, so it's called fuck. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) it's a song about um, masturbation, too. But, uh, so, Spring Awakening, it's like a Broadway yeah show and there's a sex scene in it right um did you take my little sister to see it did i i may have i feel like you may have i think somehow I took her, she's like seen it and i have i think so i think so anyway yeah. mm-hmm. um it's a good show yeah um <clears throat> but i'm just like it can't be as intimate as that we're talking about like a stage kiss and right like it's not stage real. love and romance but, and we know but means the, I, I'm going to argue myself out of this, is that it may be his insecurity coming through, but she does seem a little gaslighty and a little, um, uh, like she was excited about these, these scenes with this guy. She was excited about the guy um, that she was having these scenes with. Maybe, I mean, sometimes... There's a fire where smoke is. Right. I get that. I also, though, think, like, if you have an open, honest relationship, it that kind of thing isn't a problem. Yeah, well, they might not have an open, they honest relationship. They obviously don't. Yeah. I fully understand. Like, like he's just, it, he, the way he's writing it makes it sound like he badgers her every single time she has to kiss somebody mm-hmm. on stage. So yeah. he's like, she didn't want to tell me anything. Like, of course she didn't want to tell you anything. Mm-hmm. You make it really difficult for her to do her job 
every time she tells you about it. Like, of course she didn't want to get deep into it anymore. She just wants to be like, just come to the fucking show and you can see what happens. Like, I wouldn't want to either. Like, you're badgering her anytime she has to stage kiss somebody. Yes, I do see what you're saying, though, where she's like, I'm excited about it. I really like, I like this guy. But yeah, at the same our- time, they're old. They have children. They've been together long enough to have children. Chase and I have had conversations where, like, just because you're in a, a, we're in a relation, we're in a marriage, and we're committed to one another, doesn't mean we're blind and we're never going to see somebody else. Where like that person is attractive, mm-hmm. or I kind of have a little bit of a crush on that person. But when you have an open conversation and knowledge about, like, in your and you're committed to one another, it doesn't matter if you're like, oh, that person's really attractive, you know? Yeah, yeah. I The impression I got from his impression, which, you know, we're reading this through his yeah. lens, is that she was excited about the intimacy or whatever was going on of the show. Like, but I don't know. Do Do actors get excited about kissing on stage? That always seemed like the most awkward. It's like the most, it is. it's one of the hardest things to kiss so on I stage. Ever, have I ever told you about my first stage kiss? No. I was 28 years old with my first stage kiss and the person I had to kiss was 17. Oh. Not only is there this awkward age, uh, age difference. He was the kid of the, like the pastor in town. Like pastor's <laughs> kid. And... We never actually kissed in rehearsals. And so it came to dress rehearsal week. And I was like, hey, if you want to fake this, that's totally fine. It does not bother me. Um, But if we are going to for real kiss, we should probably start rehearsing it. So we're aware, right? He's like, yeah, Yeah. no problem. And then never did. We never did. And then opening night, he fucking kissed me flat on the mouth. And I forgot my lines because I was so surprised because I've never once done it. And like, he's like, I'm so good. I made her forget her lines. It it was fine because like my role, like, like the character was, oh, it was like a a princess and the frog. He was the Uh, frog. uh And, um, and so he's like, he's supposed to kiss me and I'm supposed to fall to the ground and be stunned for a moment. So it worked. I remember <laughs> I got back on track, but I was just like, the audience just, is like, that's amazing acting. I just like, that's what they say. Like you should practice that. So you're, and I just fucking forgot everything. And then Chase afterwards walked up to him and said, so I get to kiss your next girlfriend. Right. Or something like that. Like, <laughs> and poor kid was like, so uncomfortable, which also, yeah, baby don't, that's gross. Cause it's like probably be a 16 year old girl. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that was my first stage kiss. Actually, I don't even know. I even had another stage kiss since then. I just don't get a lot of roles where I'm kissing people. On yeah. Stage. Yeah. There really aren't a lot of uh-uh. um I, I think I'm, I'm with you that this is theater this is a professionals are or semi-professionals they do this kind of thing all the time it's acting do you know what's I don't not know, maybe, intimate at all? maybe his insecurity is kind of feeding into they should probably go to therapy together cheating. yeah i mean maybe but it just sounds like he's been like worried about stage kisses for a long ass time mm-hmm. and that's exhausting I, my first real kiss, my first, not real kiss, my first kiss was a stage kiss. Was it? How yeah. old were you with your first stage kiss? I was like 16. Oh, I know. That's cute. so cute. What uh, what show was it? The mur- It was a murder show. 
Okay. I don't remember. It was a play. Got it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. That's so cute. Mm -hmm. And then I had another stage kiss in college. And he liked to, he liked to slip me the tongue, and I hated him. I fucking remember this guy. Uh, if it's the same show, yeah, isn't it the one where he had to kiss the back of your hand? And he would lick you every time. So finally, like opening night, you put soap on the back of your hand, hoping he. Oh would god, lick your I forgot hand. about that. That is what I remember from this story. Is how much oh fucking god, creepy about, I'm was. So smart. And he didn't. He didn't do it though. He he just okay. kissed your hand. You should have done it, and like. <laughs> Oh, uh, he and he, he liked to well, slip me the tongue. That's disgusting. That's disgusting. Right, and I was just so angry. I did that like because I was young. I, I did that girly like hee hee hee. That's so disgusting. I was right. so mad at him. And you then didn't know what one, to do. right, exactly. And it's front of everybody. And yeah. this was in like rehearsal. This wasn't like right on stage. And then when the performance actually happened, he took he caught me backstage and he grabbed my hand. He's like, I know you want to. <laughs> and I just like didn't talk to him ever again. Good. <laughs> like I just turned around. I'm like, mm -mm. no, <laughs> no, oh, I so don't. Gross. I really don't. <laughs> That's gross. I do have like I don't personally have stories with like lead like my leading man being like a fucking creep, mm -hmm. but I have friends that have had that. You know, like, like and, I mean that is an issue. Yes, it definitely is. And it's not just in theater, it's also in improv. I read this like super interesting article a few years ago. There's been a few like reckonings in the improv world in the past oh, few yeah. years about different things. And one of them was about like sexual like harassment and assault. And there was this um, improviser, I want to say she was in DC, and she wrote an article about basically like she felt like she was self sexually assaulted on stage. It was but she didn't know what to do mm -hmm. and she didn't know what she could do because it was like a guy that was much older than her and had been in the community for so long. It was very respected and she was a new improviser and he got her into this, like, like the scene was a, like in the copy room boss and he was the boss and she was the, uh, mm -hmm. like, the sexy ingenue sort of thing. And he was all, he was like touching her and everything. And she's like, I didn't know what to do. Like, do you, yeah. Like how, like you just like, yes. Anding a scene versus standing up for yourself. State versus being like, you're a fucking asshole and walking yeah. off. It's, and it's like, no wonder that, that so many people in, in Hollywood or theater and yeah. are getting hit with sexual harassment and yeah. sexual assault. There's charges. like a power thing there. Uh, and, Boundaries. There is part of the boundaries. And so it's like, it's really in a, most of my groups, we, um, well, most of my, the most people I perform with are groups that I've been with for a long time and we've built that trust. But sometimes we even will still have conversations before a show where, like, do you have any boundaries today? Like, like, even if it's just something like, I hurt my back and no one can jump on me. That's yeah. totally like, that's what we should be doing. I had read that article before I met a friend of mine and I was in an audition with him and I like had my hands on both sides of his face talking to him. And I went up to him afterwards. I'm, like, I'm so sorry. I was like, I didn't discuss like physical touching or anything like that with you beforehand. I hope that was okay. And he was like, yeah, it's totally fine. It wasn't like inappropriate and mm -hmm. it worked in the scene, but I was just like, I'm trying to be more conscious of this personally 
um, to make sure we have a safe environment for everybody. Yeah. No, I mean, theater and improv are, and acting, like it's all, or show acting, camera yeah. acting. It's, it's all kind of interesting how um, we, we try, it's hard to create those boundaries because when we don't have those boundaries, sometimes we get kind of the best performances yeah. that, that for, for our audience, but we don't want to sacrifice our own well-being for the best performances so there's that there's that weird balance there and some people take advantage of that balance yeah and so it's like i think i think there's some research papers come that should come out of come out of this because there is a yes and with improv and you're taught to like just go with it go with it go with it and you have to ex- hope that the person that you're going with it won't take it's, it too far, won't take yeah, advantage of is it. Is worthy of your trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so interesting too because, like, I feel like the yes and because they're like, don't deny, but you can make a denial of yes and if you do it right in a performance. Mm-hmm. But also, it kind of goes hand in hand to me with like toxic positivity. Yes. Mm hmm. Um, which you see a lot, which I never really put into context until I started taking classes and learning about like yes ending and denials, where when someone says something, I'm like super worried about this and like, oh, you're going to be fine. That's actually a denial of their, their emotions. Mm -hmm. Like you're trying to be helpful, but instead you're not allowing them to express their emotions most likely from a place of not being comfortable hearing it yourself versus, you know, like being supportive versus being positive. And I think that's Mm -hmm. something that we deal with a lot in society in general, not in like theater, but but having improv has helped me kind of put words to that personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think getting back to the letter, <laughs> we are really deep and very far yeah, we away. Did. It's a, it is a, I think it's an interesting question. And people outside of the theater realm don't really understand what professionalism is and how professional actors yeah. behave. Um, but also, I mean, that's how some actors have taken advantage of yes. other actors. So he's not completely wrong to be uncomfortable with it. But I also like, either he trusts or he doesn't yeah and, and it sounds like he doesn't it really and that's maybe, how i feel maybe he shouldn't the, maybe there's maybe it's coming from somewhere maybe there's a reason but i just feel like it's he's it just feels super like insecure to me yeah um with it and i also want to let this person know that really there's nothing fucking intimate about there isn't about a stage kiss there's no. nothing intimate about a stage relationship there's uh-huh. nothing intimate about I've never done it, but I cannot imagine having to perform simulated sex on stage. Like the uh-huh. most uncomfortable thing I can think of for an actor. Yeah. Um, I mean, spring awakening sex, yeah. that, that scene is, is uh, it's just two people on stage, just the two people, obviously. Well, yeah. And then you see his ass and you see the simulation <laughs> yeah. of the sex like that. Ooh. 
that's 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 got to be just it's it's measured like they yes. map that out, they choreograph that out it, it's exactly that's what mm-hmm. i was going to say one thing that this person can do to help maybe ease his fe- fears and have a conversation with his wife that is like grounded in concern versus anxiety or that's coming off that way is asking to be sure that she is safe and that they have an intimacy coach. That's Mm -hmm. a thing that theaters that are having shows with simulated sex and things like that. They hire professionals to come in to help choreograph and make sure everyone is always safe and feel safe and listened to and respected. Yeah. So you could ask her about that aspect of it, Mm -hmm. which would help bring you in, but from a way from more of a, place of knowledge about the situation so it felt less like you didn't trust her and more like you were wanting to make sure she felt safe my boyfriend was going to the store to get some stuff and i just started my period and noticed i was out of tampons so i called him and asked him if i if he could pick up some tampons at the store and told him which ones to get he said no problem and that was that an hour goes by and i called him to see where he was as the store is about 25 to 30 minutes away depending on traffic no answer i started panicking and ended up calling his mother who hadn't heard from him either uh, excuse me <clears throat> <laughs> about an hour later after this i got a call from him that he was just leaving the police station as he had been arrested for stealing and he would tell me what happened when he gets home this was so out of character for him because he makes a lot of money excuse me and has a lot of savings he comes home and i ask him what happened he explains he stole them the tampons because he was embarrassed he wouldn't explain why he was embarrassed, but now I have major icks. It is one thing to be embarrassed, but to steal something is just on another level. My father used to buy me tampons with no problem, so it is quite bizarre that he would do this. I asked him how it is different from buying toilet paper, which he bought, and he said nothing. This is a red flag. How would you respond to this? I don't know what to do, but I just cannot look at him the same way after this. Signed, Five Finger Discount. Um, I have, I want to start with the most inconsequential thing that bothers me about this letter, (laughs) which is that her boyfriend was heading to the store and an hour later she was panicking because she hadn't heard, he wasn't home yet. Like, (laughs) it takes half an hour to get to the store. He needs time to shop. I just, it blows my mind that she's like, I hadn't heard from him in an hour where it takes over half an hour to get home sometimes. And, and so she like, was so panicked that she called his mother. <laughs> within an hour i, I just that that part of it oh, yeah. is not important to this the question at all but blows my mind <laughs> maybe she lives in a very dangerous neighborhood where the cops have time to arrest people for tampon stealing uh, i mean god so ridiculous like come on man <laughs> i don't I think, break up with him oh uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe it's a funny thing. Maybe it's a lesson he learns and it's just something you look back as funny. I My next phone call. Job. Oh yeah. I, I I bet they won't won't even press charges. Cause the the I bet like the, just gets the people who arrested him are like, you can't buy tampons? What is wrong with you? Um <laughs> I think her next phone call needs to be to his mother. 
Yeah, again. By the way, <laughs> by the way, I just I just heard from him. He's back. He's safe. He did get arrested because he's so embarrassed of the thought thought of a woman having a period that he couldn't buy tampons and he had to steal them instead so no one could see him with them. Yeah. Like, uh hey, Lady, what, 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 what are you, what did you teach your son? Cause he needs a little help. Can you have a, I'll have a conversation with him, but I think maybe you need to have a, a, a come yes. to Jesus conversation with him too. Like what? Ridiculous. <laughs> um, I don't think she needs to break up with him. I think She's... it's a learning, le- it's, it's a learning lesson, a learning lesson, a lesson learned. And I think he just needs to be a little bit more comfortable. And I think it's easy enough to make him comfortable with it. But I think that's, a little bit outside of some of because like that's half of the problem the other half is now she can't get she says she can't even look at him the same way because he was stealing do you think that's a it's a separate thing do you think do you think her being like i can't be with someone that shoplifts for any reason is is valid oh i mean i i suppose if she is adamantly against shoplifting and it's to her core that she can't stand a shoplifter as our previous um writer couldn't stand a woman who had had sex with more than one person um yeah i suppose if she's really uncomfortable with shoplifting in general and needs to take a stand she should separate her she should they should part their ways yeah but i think this would be a funny story later on if he learned if he is able to get past it I, yeah. I think it's fun. Like, oh my, one time. Did I tell you that one time that I got arrested for stealing tampons? Because I was so uncomfortable, so naive, so childish that I couldn't buy tampons for your mother. And <laughs> <laughs> like, I think in the relationships, it's a funny story. Unless they can't laugh at themselves and I'd break up with them for that reason. Fair. Fair enough. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or just break up with them. I mean, I don't think it's best best for you. He probably isn't even going to get charged with anything. He's just probably banned from the store. He probably can never go back in the store. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, so good luck with grocery shopping. It was the only grocery shop that's within (laughs) half an hour of your house. Um, It's just a, God, I don't know. I'm like, just like, I'm just floored by it a little bit. Like, how do you get to be a grown ass adult man in a partner Mm. with somebody that has a period and you can't be seen with tampons? That reminds me of a line from, and I'm sure it's a show that you haven't been watching yet, but I've told you to watch it. It is Starstruck. I haven't watched it yet. We're watching it soon. It's in the first, I think it's in the first episode. So I'm not spoiling anything. But she gets, but it's this lady, this like your average day lady who um, gets, uh, connects with a superstar, essentially, like a, like a Brad Pitt kind of superstar. And uh, their second night, she'd started her period the morning and their second date, he's like, you want to come up? And she's like, I just want you to know that I've started my period. And he says... I just want you to know that I'm a fully grown man. 
<laughs> and then, I love that. Yeah, it's like you, he, he, not fully grown. He's like, I, I just, you know, that I'm a grown man, right? <laughs> it's like his line is like, all the clothes off. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is that one yeah. Chase will like with me? I don't know. Paul liked it. Paul liked yeah, Paul it. Paul really liked it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have a friend, and her and her husband are definitely in an abusive relationship. He's openly narcissistic, won't let her have friendships that he can't control. He calls her incessantly throughout the day. She needs to be home before him cooking dinner. She can't wear certain things. He never... I can hear you clicking and doing work. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I can hear you doing work. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Focus on me, Kimberly. It's about me for a moment. I have another question pulled up so I can read it. And I selected it earlier. So I was like, this is a good time for me to share up a quick little email. Sometimes (laughs) I pee while you're doing questions. You're never mad at me back. No, because it's urine, and <laughs> urine and I are in the same. Pro- I don't know. Anyway, okay. that's not okay. going to finish. Okay. <laughs> she can't it's also wear like a really ser- serious question too. For it is. Is that enough? You know what might help? What? And this is a suggestion: is that you you d- log. You, I can't. I'm. I'm sinking. I know. I can't turn it off because it won't sync, and I've got th- five thousand files that I'm trying to get up, including two that need to be up by. Wait, did you know what I was going to say? Log out of my did, computer. Did, no, that oh. isn't what I was going to say. I thought you were going to say log out of your work computer, which is a valid response, and I normally do when I'm done at the end no. of the day. I just can't let it fall asleep right now. Okay, then no, I don't. Right. Okay. Sorry. What were you going to say? Is that you get bombarded with the emails. You you pick certain times of the day to respond to look at your I emails. I try to do that too. Uh, but this is an email that I just got from my boss that I needed to, I needed to answer quick. So. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, I get, it. I get that, it. That you create your own anxiety circle. I usually, once I log out, I don't check. I usually leave my office. And since I'm in my office doing this, it's very easy for me to be like, it's right there okay. and I need to get this answer. Okay, okay. That's all. Normally, it's on. not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It just all is right. right now. Okay. All right. I believe you, sort of. Not really. Anyway, she can't wear certain things. He never compliments her. The only things he says nice about her are sexual things. And I have seen bruises on her body and her face that she's told me are from him. She sticks up for him and loves him very deeply and says that is because of past army trauma that he can't love her correctly. And he puts his hands on her. He recently found out this pod. He recently found this podcast about BDSM and how it helped turn an abusive husband into a loving dom. So now he wants his wife to do a BDSM dom and sub relationship in order to help curve his abuse towards her and rewire his brain into loving her better. Is this just me, or does that sound totally twisted? What do I do? Signed, slightly concerned. Only slightly. This is fucking gross. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. really am mad that there is a podcast out there that is peddling this. I don't know if it comes from the fucking 
Fifty Shades of Grey bullshit where he was like, I'm an abuse, like I had an awful childhood and so this is how I deal with it by by twisting what BDSM is and twisting it to my own my own end. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's gross and it's not what BDSM is. BDSM I- is not abusive. It's consensual. Yes. It is done completely. Like safe parameters. The mm-hmm. sub actually, in most cases, I, I'm not also like, I'm not like deeply ingrained in the BDSM world or anything. I don't know like a ton about, but from what I understand anyway, like the the sub is actually like the person with the most power because they have the they have the opportunity to say nope that's enough and the and the dominant person should always respect that because it's Mm -hmm. built on mutual respect and trust and you cannot have that in abusive relationship period exclamation mark yes that's how i feel i'm mad about this i'm mad i'm disgusted that this person Mm -hmm. would try to twist bdsm into feeling like it is a legitimate practice that Mm -hmm. many people enter into because they enjoy it and they want that and there's nothing wrong with that what is wrong is somebody that has anger issues and abuse issues trying to reframe those into this type of relationship when it's not true and twisting people's understanding of it yeah Mm -hmm. it's a it's the wrong characterization of bdsm and it's unfortunately what you a common characterization of bdsm when they're trying to fight against that yeah and uh yeah and um yeah yeah go ahead well i would say that from what i've read and understand as well like it takes serious control to be a dom especially if you are in a violent BD, like a BDSM relationship that in, includes violence. Um, the, you have yes. to be able to control. You cannot go in angry. You cannot take out your anger in mm-hmm. these types of situations. You have to have control and you have to go in clear headed always, yeah. always. And I don't believe somebody that can't control himself and is hitting his, his significant other or hers whoever it is, I don't believe that somebody that is abusive has that kind of clarity and control to be able to do this in a safe and consensual yeah. way. She would not be safe in a BDSM. No, not at all. In a pseudo BDSM relationship. She would not be safe in it. And, and it's just an excuse it, then. It would be dangerous. It'd be so dangerous. It's a way she can keep excusing it. Like she shows little yeah. be- bruises and she can twist it in her mind too to be like, well, we're in this type of relationship and that's what these are from and legitimize it. And that's not, that's not the mm-hmm. case. Yeah. Um, I, he has, as far as I can see from this letter is that he has untreated PTSD and he should get therapy link um, but she should also uh, separate herself from this relationship, at least for a while, until he gets therapy. Um, but what is this friend supposed to do? I know. And I feel uh, like I came off really harsh there, too, like for her, which statistically I, it takes somebody eight times to leave an abusive partner. And go oh, back. yeah. It's hard. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to do. And it gets twisted and it's easy to get caught in and not. it's hard to get out of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. I'm just afraid for your friends. Yeah. Because once it gets lent in the air of legitimacy, it gets easier to get further and uh-huh. further and further. And it's dangerous. Yeah. Um, I, I just, this friend, what is she supposed to do? She's, I, she has to be there for her friend. She's, but her friend is not going to listen. Like she's mm-hmm. so deep in it. Her friend's not really going to listen to her. Maybe like you can't help someone who doesn't want to help themselves kind of thing. And just being there yeah. when she falls or being there when she's in danger or being there when she just needs to talk to somebody is going to kind of be, else. sorry. Go yeah. On. I just saw something horrifying. I think I had the same thought um, that it's that dangerous is what I'm thinking is it's, that it's that dangerous. Yeah. My thought was like, cause I was going to be like, be there for her. Don't let yourself like cut her don't cut her off or anything like mm-hmm. that but also like i was gonna be like be there to help her document things and i got really scared that even if you document things and take pictures he then will later on be able to say if something happens well we were in a bdsm relationship and that was part of it and use that to excuse any documentation yeah. you might try to do to protect her mm-hmm no, this guy is dangerous and scary. I, uh, I, you can only just continue like being there for her. Maybe recommending articles on BDSM, recommending articles on PTSD. Um, but PTSD is not an excuse to harm your partner. No, there is no excuse. There is no excuse. Um, and it's it's bothersome that that is actually something I've been hearing a lot is that well this person has PTSD that's why they've been violent or out of control it's like yeah but once that's recognized that it has to be if it's recognized as PTSD then there are tools available to to treat PTSD you don't just get to beat up on somebody and say oh I had trauma it's a like like your mental health is a reason but it's also your responsibility you can't make it somebody else's responsibility right. mm-hmm. it's not an excuse like it, we can look later on and things happen you're like oh i understand why that may have but like it's not a like you need to work on it it's your responsibility to take care of it's your to get properly medicated to go to therapy to do what you need to do to to keep any harm from happening because of your mental health to Mm. yourself and to others yeah and i'd imagine people with diagnosed ptsd who are treating it and working on it would be really annoyed yes with the connection that's being made here 100 yeah as they'd be like, I don't beat my wife. What are you talking about? I, yeah. I have PTSD. I don't beat my wife. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Um, we have trauma. Ugh. Yeah. You said something earlier about maybe recommending articles, um, mm-hmm. about, which I think is a great idea, but they're also in, I mean, it depends on where you are, but in a lot of cities and I'm sure there's online classes too, that are for people that are interested. Like they're like classes. Did I that say classes? Yep. There are classes 
for people that are interested in learning more about the lifestyle to learn more about it. And I'm sure there are some that are also like dedicated specifically to subs and some that are specifically to doms and some that are about this and that. And I think that that could be a way for her to understand is maybe taking a class, learn more about Mm -hmm. it from the subs perspective, because it will be talking a lot about safety, I would imagine, and things like that, and how to make sure yeah, that it uh-huh. is consensual. And I yeah. like, what are the, um, what are, is it three S's? It's sane. Oh my God, what are three S's? I'm so glad that this, they're the three S's of sexual submission. It is, nope, that is not it. That is not what I wanted. That was one of them is saying these are servitude, sacrifice, and suffering. So don't do yeah. those ones right now. Um, what there's got to be safety oh, yeah, as one of the essences. It's safe, sane, and consensual. Those are yeah. the three clearest root rules between it. And here's this is a great in Wiki, it's on Wikipedia. I did I did BDSM three sane, and the first sentence that shows on Google is. It is mutual consent that makes a clear legal and ethical distinction between BDSM and such crimes as sexual assault and domestic violence. Mutual consent. Yes. Continued mutual consent. Not coerced consent. Not, not, I think this could help me if you let me do this to you in this type of environment when you weren't open to it before. That's so selfish too. That's so selfish. Maybe she wants to be the dom. Maybe that would probably be like, if you're looking for therapy, a therapeutic way to approach your relationship is maybe have her be the dom and explore what that would be like. But, um, that's, that's, I'm I'm really scared about this. SSC, yeah. that's what it's you called. Don't, you don't, I, he shouldn't have control over you. And I think she needs to maintain as much control over herself as possible. Um, they could also get potentially like some, um, oh, what's the word? What's the word? Someone to kind of lead them through it. And then. Oh, like what's, what's um the girl we had on? Remember when we had <sighs> her on our podcast and she was all about like a sex she was like a sex therapist or like a um, is that the pint-sized sex therapist yes yes uh-huh we should have had her on to help us answer this question um uh, let me see she was a no it's just i didn't say uh yeah like a sexologist a sex therapist a uh-huh. something like that there's a website called lovingbdsm.net I uh-huh. really looked into it. I just pulled it up, but it could be something that could be a good resource. It talks about yeah. SSC, which is safe, sane, and consensual. Mm-hmm. It also talks about um, RAC, which is risk aware consensual kink, which was apparently created as a response to those who felt SSC was too vague. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. There's also prick, which is funny, personal responsibility informed consensual kink. Mm-hmm. Um, which like these are things that your friend needs to be aware of if she is thinking yeah. about this in any way. I just like I have like I said I have not looked through this website. I cannot vouch for this website, but just the one page I think looks like it could be a good resource and I think your mm-hmm. friend needs that. I think she needs your support and I think you can provide resources yeah. that might help her better understand that world before she lets it be twisted into what her abusive husband thinks it is. Yeah. I think it's 
I don't know. I can't remember if this is right. It's like a red herring. It's like you don't, yeah. you don't want to do BDSM because he's not healthy. And he, he just wants to do it because it's a way of, because he thinks it's a way to control her. Um, so don't, don't do it. And I will say there's also, I've gotten like on this, like, oh, I'm not saying in the BDSM community and in these relationships, there isn't abuse. There still can be, uh, when oh, you're, yeah. especially mm-hmm. when you're playing violence and power games, but at its core, it should be really based on mutual enjoyment and consent and mm-hmm. safety is what I, that's what I think most or many, hopefully most That's the messaging are, that BDSM yeah. people want yes, to have out that's there. That's what I think is most that it's not is, like, it's abusive. Not abuse. It's, it's consent. It's con- that's complete. why people hate the Fifty Shades. Like yeah. the people in yeah. the community hate Fifty Shades because it is twisting yeah. what that relationship really is and should be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so don't read yeah. that book as a realistic mm-hmm. approach either, by the way. Also, uh, how to build a sex room. I'm going to bring that back up because they do talk about BDSM and how to build a sex room. And they talk about all sorts of kind of relationships. But BDSM is something that's quite frequently talked about because it's a sex room. So they're talking about different ways of exploring their sexuality. Mm -hmm. And there was one episode where um, they they were kind of exploring light BDSM. And they were intrigued by it and they were kind of like, ooh, this is nice. This is interesting. And then there was another episode where the couple was exploring like BDSM. They're like, we were really interested in it. And then they got a little bit of a deep dive into BDSM and they're like, no, actually, this isn't really our thing. And it's just that that exploration that I think is beautiful about that show. But it also gives context to people who have no idea what it's about. 100%. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's great. I also tried Googling what this podcast was, but I'm really excited about how my Google uh, searches look right now. Like, great. <laughs> great. Yeah. Google, Google, Google. Um, and I couldn't find it. In fact, most of what I was finding when I looked for podcasting ca- podcasts about abuse of BDSM was BDSM versus abuse, abuse in kink relationships and communities, uh, things like that. Like mm-hmm. that really dive into that BDSM concerns about new domestic abuse laws. Interesting things like that. But I'm not, yeah. I'm thankfully not finding that. And my hope would be that not many people are either because yeah, it feels like a really gross twisting of things to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for BDSM people sometimes to find doctors that are supportive of their, yes, that's so true. Um, their lives. And so it's, it's kind of, it's a fascinating subsect of subsection of the culture yep and how it interacts with the rest of in quotations norm culture yeah but um yeah it's, it's fascinating i've seen a couple of things that, and i I've, I've attended a couple of conferences because i used to go to the big gay conferences and they talk about bdsm and all sorts of stuff and it's fascinating to hear the connection between pain and pleasure and how some people they get pleasure from pain, some people they don't, and it's all kind of exploring that identity um, yeah. and your own sexual interests and pleasure and touch and pain and you know. But this <laughs> this is not what it's about. Yeah, <laughs> this letter this, this is not what it is. I mean, there's a purity to exploring um, sexual touch. This is not that. <laughs> yeah, and. 
I'm scared for your friend letter writer. Yeah. Um, this is hard. It's, I feel like I never have a good answer when it's any type of like, what do I do to help support my mm-hmm. friend that's being abused? Because there's not a lot you can do other than keeping yourself available and, yeah. and supportive not supportive of the relationship, but supportive of your friend and letting it be clear that you're always there for her and ready to support her and help her wherever she needs it. And in a way that doesn't feel like you're being judgmental because if she feels like you're judging that can, you know, drive a wedge. And also a lot of things, something you see in a lot of abusive relationships is like cutting people off from their friends and their support system. And so you want to convey that you'll always be there, even if she, something happens and she stops talking to you or, or something yeah. or mm-hmm. a fight is caused or something like that, because yeah. he's pressuring her into that without also then being like, I think your husband's trying to cut you off from all of your family. Cause then that and friends, cause then again, that can cause like, it's, a delicate line to yeah mm-hmm. to kind of it's like a delicate line to try to straddle where you're like I am here for you no matter what and I want to help you get out of this relationship but I know you need to make that choice yourself but also might need my strength to help you get there mm-hmm. in a way that doesn't then make her defensive yeah it's yeah really I, and there comes there comes a point where you can't really be a witness to her yeah to to her assault and to her trauma yeah and and just stand by and you can witness it but you can't just stand by and so there's that there's that dilemma there where you like i can't witness this anymore i can't just stand by i have to protect myself too yeah yeah i can't can't watch my friend being hurt over and over Mm -hmm. by someone that says they love her i can't do it and that's the conversation you have where you say i gotta stop this relationship i gotta protect myself but I'm here when you're ready yeah. to, yeah. When, and, whenever you need me. And that's but so I, hard to convey, but it's important for you mm-hmm. too. Like, like if you are feeling overwhelmed and like ill-equipped to deal with this, you're not alone. I think most people are not con- like confident in how to approach this, but you yeah. do need to protect yourself as well. While like you need to be able to communicate to your friend, I am here for you always, but I can't, I love you and I can't watch you get hurt like this anymore. I can mm-hmm. maybe I can see you without him and we can't talk about him. I can yeah. I can mm-hmm. take you for support. I can take you to a doctor if you need it. I am here to come and get you if you need if you ever need me to pick you up somewhere, but I I can't be involved in your relationship aspect. Mm-hmm. Because I can't I can't take it anymore. Thank you so much for listening to Inebrated Input. I'm Kim. And I'm Jennifer. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate and review us so other people can find us. If you didn't, then bugger off. JK, we like constructive feedback. Feel free to tell us. (laughs) And please, 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 please send us your questions at inebriated.input at gmail.com. We can't make the podcast without your questions, and we promise that we will keep your name out of it. (laughs) Okay. You can also submit questions and learn more at inebriatedinput.com. 
If you want, you can also sponsor us on Patreon where we have cool swag as thank yous. Okay, okay. Thanks. thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye, bye, bye.